0: You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Hive Hoops, I'm your host, Joshua Balta. Ever since the news about MJ possibly selling the Charlotte Hornets, came out last thursday i thought to myself i have got to get evan kent on this podcast as many of you know all right co-founder of the crown club bring back the buzz all of those things got evan on today first thing that we're going to be talking about we gotta dive into this mj news there's more news coming out every day (laughs) starting to kind of backtrack all of a sudden, possibly, we'll see. Excited to look into that conversation. Got to get into the Nick Richards extension and him getting paid, three-year, $15 million deal. And then this team's starting to fill up roster-wise. These these spots are starting to be filled for next season and on into the future. Going to start looking into, should Steve Clifford be retained should he come back next season but we're gonna get into all that first off evan how's it going man
1: hey man i'm good you know uh despite the record of the season you know it's uh definitely a lot of ups and downs but overall i uh i think i think we're all just kind of ready to go into the offseason and see what that holds right yeah this just this last stretch of games
0: it feels like it's taking forever. And like we just keep dropping guys. Like Terry, Terry went down tonight. Like game is currently going on. Okay, Terry Rozier went down tonight with a what foot, like a sore foot. And so, <clears throat> you know, it's just. I'm be honest with you, I didn't even get the update. <laughs> <laughs> like it, we're we're just at that point of the season where you know it's just it is what it is. Like it's to be expected, and we are where we are. We're solidified into that basically fourth worst record and or you could say fourth best odds in the lottery. Right. We we could always throw the positive spin on there. And so, I mean, it's just waiting until lotto night at this point. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, it's been the conversation. I would say that's been had amongst fans and at our tailgates and in the arena, I would say since about, you know, a week or two before all-star break, you know, maybe even earlier than that. Like, you know, I think we've all just been kind of eyeballing and, 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 and watching our odds in the lottery. Well,
0: luckily last Thursday, we could add to those conversations. The conversation could change for a moment because the news broke that MJ is possibly looking into selling his majority stake with the Charlotte Hornets. And so, like I opened the show with, I had to get you on. You have been known to come out with flamethrowers, with with torches uh, on MJ, on Michael Jordan's tenure as the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. You don't hold back very often on social media. And so I was like, man, I got to get him on. I got to get his perspective, his full perspective, because as we were talking pre-show, this thing is complicated. There's there's a lot of things going on when it comes to the ownership of Michael Jordan. But had to get you on. I am so interested into getting your full thoughts, all of them, the good, the bad, and everything in between. So without further ado, what were your initial thoughts? And then what were your overall thoughts as well, after you kind of thought about it, sat in it for a moment, and sit where you are today?
1: I mean, I, I you know, it's your initial thought, no matter how you felt about them, is kind of like shock, right? It was one of those moments where you may have thought about it for years and years and years but there's no way that the michael jordan news of him selling the hornets or him starting those discussions hits the airwaves or ends up on your screen and there isn't a part of you that's like oh shit it's actually happening like this has been the you know this is not a drill right <laughs> like there's there's that initial reaction and then you know there's all those conversations you've had leading up to this and about his ownership that you've had over those years. And you start to kind of organize, well, how do I actually feel now that this is happening? Right. And, you know, I think I don't want to say jubilation because I feel like that seems a bit distasteful in some kind of way, but it, I, I would say the overarching feeling was a relief and a, I mean, cause you don't know exactly what's going to come next, but, there did feel like there was an anchor on us for a while with this ownership. And so at least there's a, there's a potential for something new, right? Like we, we don't know what it's in store for us, but there is that hope again of like, well, at least it could, it's, at least it's something different. And I think that's what a lot of us are just asking for. Yeah. Different is one of the things that
0: comes to mind just right off the top because it's just been the same old stuff for far too long and the product on the court does not match the fervor that this city has for this team and is just ready to explode to just throw all of their full support behind this organization. Uh, there's an all-star like our first star that we can see forming in Charlotte in quite some time in LaMelo Ball. There was some hope, you know, building, the past couple seasons uh, 43 wins last season um, and just things were starting to trend in that direction and then just this season just came down and it just threw a wrench in all of that even with the success from last season you really can't even call that a success because couldn't get past the first play-in game and so you spoke about this anchor this weight that's been on the the franchise, the fan base, what exactly is that weight? It, and, and and I know you mentioned different, but like what was it that just felt like this team was being weighed down?
1: Well, I would say, you know, um, the initial reaction when Michael Jordan comes in, he he, he takes over basketball operations, right? Um, and that's got to be 16 years ago, I believe, at this point where he came on and started taking that over there was this, oh, well, at least we have Michael Jordan here, right? Like, he's going to help with basketball decisions, um, at least steer us in some kind of direction. He's a competitive guy. And it feels like from head of basketball operations to owner, there has just been no competitive drive whatsoever inside this building. So I I think, you know, when you look back at the tenure there, of of him leading basically for 16 years, because you're head of basketball operations and your owner, you were still ahead of basketball operations. You were in charge of almost all of that. Nobody's nobody was ever telling Michael Jordan no when he was in, in charge of basketball operations. So that's 16 years, man. You're at the helm. And you know, your bottom five in winning percentage in that entire time. You've gone to the playoffs twice and been swept. You have seemingly not wanted to spend money on this team. You have Kind of done the same thing over and over and over again, but you got a pass for so long because it was Michael Jordan, right, in North Carolina, and there was this idea of nobody really—I mean, like even me, you know—like I didn't want to hate on my childhood hero, so like there was this real longevity of just kind of like, all right, man, you know, you got one more year, you got one more year, and it just kept going and kept going, and I—I I honestly don't know. It really flipped a switch, I want to say, in the past two years, where yes, there were people that were like Michael Jordan is bad, but like it was not this like unanimous across the fan base that like, dude, it's time to go. Like, you know, when we start hearing rumors of him, it just didn't seem like he had any interest in this team. And that's, and I mean, I heard that from sources in the building. And now it's, it's weird that once the story has broken, there are media members that are more comfortable talking about that openly, you know, as if they'd known this for a while, that Michael Jordan has not really cared about the NBA or frankly, the product that we have on the court here is a, 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 in Charlotte for quite some time. So I think there was suspicions that we had. And then now, you know, with this kind of weight taken off there with um, the story breaking, we're learning a little bit more about, like, who Michael Jordan is at this stage of his life, which is perfectly fine. But I don't want Michael, you know, uh, I don't want Michael Jordan just because he's Michael Jordan from Chicago Bulls and you know he's from north carolina um you know I, I guess like i always joke man i like my grandmother a lot that doesn't mean i want her to own the charlotte hornets you know <laughs> it doesn't mean like i love my grandmother i don't, but it mean I, I I don't want her to own the charlotte the hornets I,
0: I i do not want her to own the charlotte exactly
1: hornets. but that's my point like you can like somebody <laughs> you, you can like somebody and not want them to own the team right so i i felt there have been times that like he's put himself in front of this team and in front of this fan base. Um, But like, there are other angles where like, I, I truly love him from a philanthropic standpoint. So I always have to preface that because you sound like a jerk. If you don't bring it up because he's put millions of dollars into this community. And when I talk about this, man, I'm talking strictly from a basketball operations perspective and a fan engagement from a basketball center, you know, philanthropically fantastic basketball, which is, you know, the first NBA player to ever own a team, Michael Jordan. It's kind of what you're focused on a little bit. You're, you're wanting him to be good at the basketball side of things. Um, just did not bring anything, did not bring in the names that he was supposed to, did not, you know, he just surrounded himself with yes men for a year. We've had these conversations a million times. So I think it's a loaded question with why is there anger? Because it's 16 years of history going into that answer.
0: You mentioned MJ not really liking the product. And this is one of the biggest uh, standpoints and where I've fallen here recently. And you hear it. You you hear it from other members of the front office coaching staff when they speak. Uh, Steve Clifford brings up all the time, I you know, Michael's old school, like me. And Mitch Kupchak is old school, like me. And, and, and a lot of times this gets brought up whenever – you uh, or they are asked about the young guys playing and developing in game instead of in Greensboro or in practice, and so they're always mentioning, "Oh, I'm," you know, "we're old school," and I think that that's part of this and plays into this role as well. Is Michael Jordan is old school, and I don't think he really likes the current NBA. I don't think that he likes. The product on the floor. I don't think that he likes just launching threes all game. I don't think he likes the flopping. The I don't think that he likes, you know, just not much attention to the defensive side of the ball. And I think that he's just kind of grown disinterested in not just the Charlotte Hornets, but the current NBA as it is. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I mean that that and that's fine, man. Like you you go through stages of life, man, like we all do. You know, Michael Jordan, I think, is currently at a stage of his life where he's wanting to other do other things outside of the NBA, which is fine. So like I, I applaud him from moving on from a controlling standpoint in this team, you know, and recognizing that maybe, hey, I want to go, you know, play some golf more, or hey, I want to go, you know, go deep sea fishing more, or hey, I want to get more involved in NASCAR because that's something that that is something I have been interested in since I was a child, but never really gotten to explore from a managerial standpoint or as a fan, you know, so that, that is completely acceptable for him to want to do that. Um, you know, I'm just, there is the concern that maybe he held on for just a little too long. Um, but you know, it it came down to the Suns' deal and just trying to figure out what the value was across the NBA and what these teams were going to be evaluated at. And, uh, and that's what I kept telling everybody. I mean, like, I had my sources telling me that he was shopping around at banks to see who who would manage the sale of the team for him. And I kept saying, wait for when this Suns deal comes to a close. Shortly after that, we will hear something from Jordan. And, you know, as much as people wanted to tell me I was crazy, I was a Jordan hater, like... I've been doing this for 10 years, man. I'm not pulling stuff out of my ass. Like when I say something, I mean it. And so I, I think, you know, that, and it came quickly and it just, just like we had stated it would. So I think the thing is, it's just like, the, like, I just want to reiterate. It's fine, man. I have, if Michael Jordan wants to be a minority owner and we still wear the Jordan logo on the Jersey. Um, I think the only thing I really ask is that we stop selling, selling Chicago Bulls jerseys in the, fan store yeah that's my that's my biggest beef
0: yeah well maybe we can get I'm not a big fan of the you know the 2311 nights either like it just seems so forced like I know that NASCAR is plays such a big role in this region and so I get it but at the same time it's just like hey check out my side gig over here too like Throw some dollars at it. Like, let me get it in the building real quick. And 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 Brit. It's almost like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really
1: love that part either. That's th- that may just be me, though. I don't know. It, it's funny, man, because I I can tell you this for a fact, and it's been this way for a long time, is that like anybody who's been in that building for any standpoint of time from a from a mid-level management perspective has not been a fan of the restrictions that Michael Jordan simply because of his other business endeavors, whether it be tequila, whether it be, you know, the NASCAR thing, whether it be, um, you know, just other relations where he just kind of inhibits what, like he kind of holds us back on what we can do from even a business standpoint. We can't have certain things inside of our building because, you know, uh, I mean, honestly, the Hornets could be worth more money if they quit partnering with Jordan companies (laughs) Companies, <laughs> if they just went out and sought out people that were willing to pay them more money, but they have bad deals with partners that are Jordan brands, uh, Jordan, you know, affiliates. And so we have these raw deals and raw experiences. And so, I mean, I know for a fact there's going to be people in that building that are slightly alleviated by this change as well. Because I had people that left this building that were already saying this is never going to change while he's still in the building. That's people that he was cutting checks for.
0: Yeah, that's. <sighs> That's tough, man. That's tough. And, like, I think that's the thing, and, and you've already, you know, kind of touched on this, but the excitement that was around this fan base when Michael Jordan became the majority owner, it was just, you know, North Carolina mm-hmm. Starling, the GOAT, the greatest basketball of all time, ultimate yeah. competitor, willing to do whatever it takes. I will punch Steve Kerr in the jaw. In order to win, I will just take control of every aspect that I can get my hands on. You you try to feed me bad pizza the night before, I'm going to drop 45 on you the next night. Like, we thought that we were going to get that dude, right? The guy that was willing to do whatever it took to win. And then it just never happened. And it, it just, here we are. And... We're in yet another season where Mm -hmm. there will be no playoffs, and it feels like on the basketball side, like you said, what he's done in the community has been beautiful, all right? I mean, building the Novant Health Centers, and, you know, I mean, here recently he just gave the largest single donation of all time to Make-A-Wish. Like, how do you hate on the guy who's giving Make-A-Wish children, all right, and providing so many – you know, opportunities of a lifetime for them, you can't. And so like you gave him his love Mm -hmm. and, you know, you can't help but do those things. Right. Um, Throughout his career, he was, you know, talked down upon for not doing enough for the black community. But then here in recent years, he's put all of those conversations to bed because he's been pumping dollars into Uh, the black community here in Charlotte and different communities and neighborhoods. And now not to say that he wasn't doing those things before, maybe he just wasn't letting his left hand know what his right hand was doing. And then he just wasn't telling everybody about it. Maybe he heard some of that criticism. He said, you know what, here it is. But his philanthropic that side, like you said, you can't hate on that, but that basketball side when you thought that you were going to get that Ultimate winner. It just never came to fruition. And it's sad because you got this team, you got this city who's ready to explode and ready to get behind this team, who saw a glimmer of what could be the past couple of seasons. And it's just never can take that next step. It's always feeling like it steps backwards
1: yeah it's going to be crazy to think that we could go through an entire you know in hindsight you know when you look at the michael jordan era right which how it'll be categorized in books and wikipedia and there's just going to be like what fills that void right like what is even written in that space um because I, i guarantee you that they're not going to put the philanthropic side of things they're going to be like Two playoff appearances, uh, getting swept both times. I mean, not swept both times, but getting swept and then, you know, um, well, getting swept two times and then losing uh, in the game seven. Sorry. So, um, but the whole story is never winning a series is the point. And you go through that timeline and then you're like, okay, well then the Hornets name coming back, which – Mm, they had to get dragged kicking and screaming into that one because uh, they didn't really want to do that. The fans basically had to make them do that. Uh, and so it's, I mean, honestly, strictly from in between the lines, there's nothing, there's no story to tell there. There really isn't anything to tell. You can't just be like, Hey, we drafted a guy. That's not, that's not a story. Like you can't say, Hey, we had one guy, we had two guys go to the all-star game in that entire time frame." Like, that's not a story. So what is his legacy from a basketball in between the line standpoint? I can't... Other than, you know, forking over the $3 million to make the $300 million in one year to become the Hornets, there's not really much there to, to tell. Which is kind of sad, to your point.
0: That's the saddest shit I've ever heard. But <laughs> just, I mean... There's got to be. There's I'll just, do it to you, man.
1: I'll do it to you.
0: I mean, there's just everybody that's listening to this in the coming days when, when, as they're hearing this, it's just like, wow, yeah, there's, there's nothing that you can point to. There's nothing, there are, there's nothing dur- during this time that you will be able to hang your hat on and say, we did that, other than the name coming back. That's the that's that's the big thing. The name came back,
1: right? And <laughs> and the the city did that. I, I I don't even necessarily give them credit for that. Yeah. Oh, we hey hey, we got
0: we got uh, CLT on a jersey finally. Can, can can that go in there?
1: But once again, like that's that's another thing <laughs> I knew that it. I knew, you, I, knew it, it I knew what you. I knew what you was about to do.
0: I knew what you was about to do. But once again, that really wasn't them. <laughs> Even though the knights it's, have done it a hard, million like, times, and the checkers have done it, and everybody in the city has seemed to do it, it just you know, nah, we couldn't do that. It was cha. We 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 had to
1: be cha. Man, I I was I was I was finished. Kind of my stance on Jordan by saying that, you know, the way to sum up the energy in that building as somebody who's been doing this for over a decade and kind of like comes in just a couple I mean like literally from his ownership till now I will like in a couple of years I will have been doing this longer than Michael Jordan was owner if I keep this up um keep it up you're doing a beautiful job yeah. son. <laughs> the funny thing is man is that um you know we've had a couple meetings as a group whether it was bring back the buzz or crown club with the organization from a marketing or PR perspective, I'm not really holding back on any of those conversations now because I doubt any of those people come time will be there anymore. Um, or if not, like, I don't, I don't really care. Um, they don't like me. So it's whatever. But I think the issue was, is when we, we, one of our several times of trying to extend an olive branch, because we were saying um, there is value in both of us working together and we were like looking for things to where crown club or bring back the buzz could help the team out and they could help us out. And we could literally build up the fan experience. We had a meeting with them and Scotty and I went in with like all these hopes and dreams again. And a list, I like, I typed it all up. I had all all this stuff written down and we get to the end of the meeting. And and I was like, well, well what do you guys want? They're like, well, we'll be in touch, but for the time being, we would just like it if you guys just stopped saying anything negative about Michael Jordan. That was the only thing they asked of us in the entire meeting, you know, out of all the things we talked about from a fan perspective, community perspective, a marketing perspective, a media perspective, like everything. The only thing it was said, that, that came out of it was stop saying anything negative about Michael Jordan. And that let me know immediately. That, like that was the number one priority in the building was just not upsetting him, and yeah. so like that that's the only way. And I mean like, there are employees that work there that know that that was the attitude from Jump Street. Like, just do not upset Michael Jordan. Do whatever he asks. It's the S men being around him. It's the don't upset his brands. Don't just don't do anything to upset Michael Jordan. And that that has been. That's fine. You own the team, but don't expect me as a fan of somebody who's giving you thousands of dollars a year, who is, I understand, is a fanatic, but don't expect me to sit here and and, and be appreciative of that being your whole angle around the whole thing. Went in with portfolios,
0: ideas, all, ty- all types of things, and that's the one thing that is returned your way. <laughs> that's tough.
1: That in cease and desist letters a couple times.
0: <laughs> yeah. Gotta gotta watch out on those uh on those uh hornet drawings,
1: you know. That
0: it's gotta be, you know, it's gotta be real different, man. Because apparently Michael Jordan owns Larry Johnson's shoes too. So. <laughs> so in recent days, jump management has responded to some of these rumors, apparently, that are coming out sources. That are stating that Michael Jordan has been in talks with, you know, various people, in selling the team. It was one of the guys was a Canadian billionaire, who's picking between the Commanders and the Hornets. I mean, goodness, man, this guy—if anybody loves pain in their life more than a just a regular Charlotte Hornets fan, it's the guy that's trying to figure out between buying the Hornets or the Commanders. I mean, can you pick? Well, two think about franchises. This.
1: Like, what do you what do you think George is rumored to go from here? Say that again. He's rumored to be a minority owner in the Commanders. He wants to shift over to NFL. Man, <laughs> man.
0: I mean, I guess. I mean, maybe maybe the Washington Commanders can have some kind of success that the Charlotte Hornets have not been able to fester. Uh, who knows.
1: But with these reports, his time in DC before was pretty good too. <laughs> yeah, oh man, that's low blow.
0: Low blow. <laughs> Didn't have to go there with it. Or maybe you could. Uh you know, it's all good. Um but there has been some caveats to these sources all of a sudden coming out and saying a sale is not imminent even though talks have happened a sale is not imminent and then also a sale might not happen at all i saw uh earlier today i can't remember who put it out but that there is a possibility that no deal will be made at all so put your tin foil hat on with me real quick do you believe i i i i i Had another guest on last episode, talked about this as well. I asked him, now I'm going to ask you, do you believe that there's a possibility that Michael Jordan, the only black majority owner in the NBA, former NBA player, greatest of all time, that he is putting these feelers out there that he may be selling the team, but not really. All to garner Adam Silver coming to the table and saying, "Do you need this number one pick, MJ? Is that what you need in order to stay?" Because I like you. Because Adam Silver has been talking to it. He he's told us before that MJ's been crucial in some of the owner conversations. That he really helped in some of these uh, CBA arrangements. Owners, players, what kind of money they were going to get, which cut, all of those things. Do you believe? That Michael Jordan possibly just put this out there to hopefully get Victor Wimbenyama
1: to the Queen City, baby. I'll put it to you like this, man. I'm, I'm going the opposite direction with it. I say, I don't think the NBA really cares that much about keeping Michael Jordan involved. I think they care less about keeping Michael Jordan involved than they would driving the value of the Hornets up before a sale I think if you give him the number one pick he would still sell the team but it would be at such a because it's all about what is the possibility of this franchise right you're selling a franchise not on when it's actually worth at this moment you're selling at a future rate almost so it's like when you look back at what the Rockets sold for and you look at what the Suns sold for and what they were worth like a year before they jumped up just in the just in the, the the idea of a sale of his team and what they could be worth, so like I could totally see the NBA giving a number one pick to Michael Jordan in order to because when one team sells, every team benefits from it. That's the only way Michael Jordan has made money from as an owner, it has been from TV deals and from selling of uh, the sales of other NBA teams, because it drives up every other NBA team's value. So I don't think yes, they like Michael Jordan as an individual and as a person, but I don't think they like him more than the hundreds of millions of dollars that Michael Jordan selling the Hornets would provide to them in the long run.
0: What do they so, like more? I mean, Michael
1: Jordan or money?
0: At the end of the day.
1: I, and I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think they're kind of over Michael Jordan. That's a different take. It's a little negative. I mean, it like, might be a little too harsh, but like I think I think there has to be some level of realization from when you watch his own franchise that, yes, I think, I think he does have an ego. And so Adam Silver would definitely tell him that he's doing, that he's influencing things and, you know, stroking, is stroking his ego to a certain degree and saying that he is influencing conversations because that's what Adam Silver is going to say about Michael Jordan at the end of the day. Like, he's not going to say that. Well, I mean, he's there, you know, he's going to say something to kind of make him feel good um, because it's Michael Jordan. Uh like I said, I, I I do I think Michael Jordan has influence amongst rich people? Sure, but I think they would value the dollar amount that a sale would give them at the end of the day, which is the whole reason why he waited to have his discussion after the Suns sold.
0: Nick Richards signed an extension with the Charlotte Hornets. He was due to be a free agent this upcoming summer. He ended up signing a three-year, $15 million deal. There is an option in that final year. So if you know this doesn't come out to be what the Hornets hope it is, they could get out technically in two. But he is on the books for three currently as we speak. Hopefully that everything works out, right? But I want to get
1: your thoughts. Did you like the Nick Richard signing? I, I mean, honestly you look at it from a history with a team with a history of bad contracts. It's probably the, you know, biggest no brainer one for the future that we've done in a long time, especially for a team that struggled with centers for, you know, since big, you know, Um, it's, you know, it's such a cheap contract for a guy that, I mean, let's, let's talk about the situation in which he came into this team. He came in, in the middle of the pandemic, did not have, Summer league, didn't have training camp, hopped into the middle of it, you know, shortened, uh, shortened, no, not shortened year, but you know, none of the none of the uh, the preliminary stuff that every rookie gets to go through. Then he gets to hang out with a coach, and then immediately switches to another coach, and then it's just like, I mean, when if when has this man had a fair shake? But he's actually performing really well, all things considered. I mean, he's been a backup the whole time not getting any minutes no experience but when he does like if you look at the numbers when he is starting it's damn good numbers right like since mark williams has gone out like he's he's been doing pretty damn good so there there's a reason why i think cliff likes him because like if you can get somebody like that with so much upside who's already a couple years in who has the potential to be the next 2 to 3 years be their most their their biggest jump basically in their development. And if you want to be fair off of like how every other NBA player develops and based upon how he came into the league, like we got him at a cheap contract right when he's about to like swing up, which makes sense developmentally. And, you know, him and Mark Williams do like that. That's our our big guys moving forward, like uh, for the foreseeable future, for at least the next two years, right? So... Um, you gotta feel pretty good about that. like I, I don't I don't know if you, if you look at our history, like we're talking about like you can't just look at that and look at a backup center as as somebody who's young and developing like that and be like, no, and especially for five million
0: a year. Yeah, you made great points there. And then on top of all of that, the pandemic, not getting summer league, not getting training camp, coming in, not really getting opportunities and then all of a sudden being thrusted in. All of that while being a second-round pick, right? I've, yeah. And so, like, you take all of those things considered, and then once again, Mitch slaps in the second round. Say what you will about Mitch Kupchak. I've had my fair share of words about him, about, you know, some of the mistakes I think that he's made during his time here in Charlotte. But the man can draft second round picks. I like maybe we shouldn't be that upset about that Jalen Duran trade uh from last season. Maybe I mean he he's probably gonna find more gems, but the fact that Nick Richards is doing what he's doing and performing at the level that he is, with all of the things that you laid out for us while being a second round pick is just it's impressive as hell. The contract is beautiful. Um I'm really surprised he actually took it. I thought that that he may get a little bit more than that on the open market honestly. And so I I think Nick likes being in Charlotte. Um and that that's really not a vibe you're getting from this team even with the season from hell that it's been. Like the guys seem to want to be here. They seem to enjoy each other. Um and sticking together through it all. But, yeah, I mean, I it, it's hard not to be excited about this in a rotation. It's the best it's been in years in Charlotte, right? I mean, there's – When have we ever had a rotation? I mean, we,
1: we didn't even have the one, right?
0: Yeah, but to exactly. But have that rotation,
1: man. Yeah, and uh, I mean, to your point about the, the second picks, man, and passing on Jalen Dern is like – well, if you want to, if you want to be real, like we had the opportunity to pass because of a second round pick that we ended up trading, you know, like we we had uh, uh, Devontae Graham, which was a second round pick from from Mitch that we were able to trade in order to get a first round pick. So, I mean, that opportunity was only there because of a, another second round pick, right? All the second round picks, like maybe maybe that maybe that's what they'll put
0: between in the Jordan tenure is. He he got Mitch Cup check to come here and Mitch hit on those second round picks.
1: Maybe that's what <laughs> that our legacy. Yeah, I,
0: that's that's what's gonna go in the dash. That's I mean, honestly,
1: you know, what if we just trade all of our first rounders and then just, just all stack them up in the second and own the second round, man? Just let's do it. You know, let's just let's just accumulate mass and assets and then get everybody on cheap contracts. And then we could have a – we could win the G League with a super deep roster in in Greensboro, and uh, we could just keep pulling people up as they get injured. You know, it's – we wouldn't have this injury problems like we do right now if we just had a whole bunch of second-rounders. Yeah, I mean, how's James Booknight working out?
0: (laughs) How's Kai Jones working out? Uh, I'm just saying, man, like second-rounders, man. Who needs those first-rounders? I mean – We don't. (laughs) Not us. Well, well – we need this one. We need this one cuz we getting Wimby, okay? Put it out there. I know how you Okay, real quick. We're going to we're going to deviate. T- tell me we're getting Wimby. And 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 when you say it, I want you to say it with your chest because I don't believe you believe this, but I want you to convince me right here right now. Convince me that you believe we are getting
1: Wimby. Say it. Michael Jordan's gonna sell. Uh, is gonna propose to the 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 board of governors. Hey, everybody. Um, just you remember how when New Orleans got the first pick in the draft because the NBA was selling them. Uh, I want you to do that same favor to me, and give me that pick so I can sell my team for greater value. So you guys get more money. That's it. That's the sales pitch. That's 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 where I feel it. That is the only way I feel it. Outside of that?
0: No, 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 no. Di- don't throw <laughs> that in there. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Okay? Don't you do it. You leave it right where you had it. So rewind. Skirt, 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 skirt.
1: We back. Okay. One more time for everybody. Hey, my name is Michael Jordan. <laughs> That's kind of hard to 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 not laugh at that when you're looking at my pasty white face across yeah, the Yeah, there um, you go. Know. Uh, my name is michael jordan uh you know i'm i would like to propose the idea of the charlotte Hornets getting the first round uh the number one pick in the nba draft for this season i don't know why i sound like a nervous kid in like a middle school like a show and tell class or something it's, but it's because just kind you're standing
0: in front of the nba board of governors duh come on <laughs> man
1: you know, but but hey guys, let's look at this. Like, if you give me the number one pick, then if I sell my team, then all of y'all get richer. Boom. Period. Done. You're done. Cut the mic
0: off, throw it away. Walk put away from tape the over voting. the mouth. Ain't got nothing else to say. That's it. Good. You convinced me. I'm so glad that you're finally on the train that the Charlotte <laughs> Hornets are getting uh Wimby. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud. Because you've you've been a staunch outlet, a microphone for the Charlotte Hornets are not getting the number one pick. I'm just so glad that you've come full circle or not full circle. We're just going 180. We're flipping it 180. And I'm so proud of you. I just wanted to let you know that.
1: I hey, man. To- You know, all those years of, you know, everything not going our way have really made me feel like things are going to go our way. I just want you to know that. I feel very optimistic that things are going to go completely different from how they've gone in our entire 33 year history. That's right. Cuz
0: it can't keep going on like this. It I mean the to- odds
1: are in our favor, I guess, you know. They
0: are. They are. They're in our favor. They've got to change at some
1: point. Amen. We just got to be patient. We sound like we sound like gambling addicts. Who just like can't walk away from we're just like I'm a Hornets fan. Eventually it's got to get better, right? It's the game it's like, of numbers. <laughs> that's right.
0: Right? Like, like, like it's got to hit. All right? Red 15's going to hit at some point. Actually, hey. 15's black. Oh, man. Dang it. All right. Are you at all concerned? Because my concern, my only concern really with the Nick Richards extension now that we got way off track coming back is his style of play and Mark Williams's style of play is essentially the same. They're big. They're long. Um, They're just massive humans and they play that same style like some, you know some teams and some guys who play the 5 are those stretch fives or maybe they're mm-hmm. athletic fives who can you know put the ball on the deck a little bit and uh you know have some post moves and different things i feel like nick richards and mark williams are just cut from the same cloth does it concern you whatsoever that it, like opposing teams will just essentially see the exact same style of play from our center rotation, all 48 minutes.
1: Uh, I don't know. I think because they're both so early on, I think each one of them will have an angle of development that it'll be unique and different. Cause there are qualities about Mark Williams that like, I don't know. Like I think I think he's just going to I think they're going to develop into completely different players. I think just at this stage of their career, they're similar. But you know, I think if you if you watch Night In and Night Out, there's gotta be things that are that are jumping out to you. I mean, I I, I sometimes worry about Nick and his ability with shot blocking and able to time when he's going to jump, but he can, you know, also maybe he turns more into a pick and roll kind of guy. I I don't know. Like, I I just, I don't know what he's going to be. He's. I think he's going to be more of a defensive guy in the long run, which I think is why Cliff is so in love with him to a certain degree. So I don't know if I'm necessarily concerned about them being the same players in the long run. I think they just played a certain style for so long and they're so young. And then, you know, where, where I think Mark Williams will be much more versatile As the years go by, like, will not be super shocked if this man somehow develops a shot like it it won't it will not shock me. Yeah. Um, And I know that's like a that's a the pipe dream for some people. But like, I think we could see that. I think he's the real deal. So but I also don't think it's a bad thing that there are some similarities because continuity between A and B and, you know, I think if you rely upon one center for too long, they're big guys, man. Like, they get tired quickly. You need that rotation. We've never had that rotation. Even when we were putting up Big Al out there and he was just dropping 40 points a game, we just – we've never – we were like, oh – I mean, even now, we were like, oh, Mason Plumlee will be a great backup. We've been looking for a great backup center for as long as I've been alive. Mm -hmm. We've just never had that. So, I don't think I'm necessarily afraid because – We've been relying upon one and then stretching them the entire game for basically a role that is not built to be that kind of, you know, they take a beating out there and they're big dudes. So I I just don't know if that role is as concerning as that would be as like a front court guy, you know, who does the same thing as the backup guy, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Or like, uh, you know, small, like just a smaller player, next to LaMelo like Terry Rogier. like if we just replace Terry Rogier with another, you know, Terry Rogier, like, no, we don't want that. Right. We've seen what that does. It's just, you can't really have that.
1: But I think when you look at your big guys, you want consistency. So I think everything else can become fluid and build off of that. So like, I'm not terrified of that idea. Like that doesn't really scare me or concern me, honestly. If that yeah, makes no, sense.
0: No, yeah, that makes total sense. And I, you know, I, I like that answer, and I hope that that's what comes to fruition. Uh, I mean, Clifford continues to say that he will not be surprised whatsoever if Mark Williams is shooting threes by this next upcoming season. Yeah, Because, I mean, he's got a nice stroke. I mean, he's shown that he can step out, you know, free throw line, you know, extended, and be able to hit that shot. Nick actually hit one from the corner tonight right in front of the three-point line. I don't even know if he could shoot a three. His foot would probably be out of bounds if he was behind the three-point
1: line. I mean, I remember watching some draft footage of him and uh it was some behind-the-scenes stuff and he was trying out and he was hitting them. But, like, there's gym shooting and then there's in-game shooting. So, like, yeah, like, if maybe, maybe Nick has that in the closet somewhere that eventually will pull out, I mean, I'm not really betting on it, nor am I hoping for it. I mean... Cause I don't want to get my feelings hurt, but um, maybe he he does develop that. But I mean, I I do I do see more of um, a chance for growth for him on the defensive end, and really, you know, becoming some kind of stalwart right there.
0: Yeah, my man's got to learn how to set a legal screen. Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: every game, man. It's the same. Yeah,
0: it's the same thing every game. He all always... just hoping for him
1: to because he could kill it as a as a pick and roll guy. He, he just, could. He can't. So well, right now he's killing the team. He's
0: not killing yeah. the opposing team. He's killing our team by not being able to set those screens. But I think I think pick and roll, if he can get those legal screens down, I think he will be
1: uh, you know, but let's let's put it with him with his, with his issues is timing. Right from even his rim protection, from his defense to his um ability to set screens it seems like the knowledge is there. Like I would be much more concerned if I had, if I was like, he physically couldn't do it. Yeah. But there is something I think he just needs. The game is just too fast for him right now, I think. And then once it catches up, I think he'll be fine. So with, I think that's why I see a level of, you know, opportunity there for him, because this is just stuff that this is coachable, which I think that is why Cliff loves him. Cause he's a very coachable guy. The talent's there. Hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think the continuity that you brought up with that's actually good for our our guards and our wings because knowing that all game long you're going to essentially get the same look defensively that they're mm-hmm. probably going to be in drop coverage because you're not going to put them you know really hedging too hard up you know on the perimeter and then trying to run back and get back to their guy. Um, although Mark has shown that he can defend uh, on on the perimeter. And I'm You're that I'm, long arm, man, man, <laughs> that's just, uh, you know, that's been one of the best things to see this season. All right. So, you know, not a lot has been very good for us, but that's one of them. But yeah, I think that continuity that you brought up is a great counterpoint to possibly being worried that it's just, you know, two vanilla, that you're going to have the same thing and teams are going to be able to pick up on it quickly, attack it the same way, and not be able to throw different looks at, you know, opposing teams. Um, With bringing Nick back, this roster is really starting to solidify because Bryce McGowan's got his extension, okay? Book Knight's still on the books. Um, Ty Jones, we know, of course, LaMelo, we believe this team is going to be uh, bring back PJ with all of the reports that are coming out. Uh, we know Cody Martin is under contract. Gordon Hayward still has another year. Terry Rozier has multiple years. And so when you really look at it, there's only a couple positions up in the air. And so that really tells me, and then you have Mitch cupcheck making the comment, yeah, we'd like to bring back some of our veterans, if not all of them. Meaning Kelly Oubre, possibly Dennis Smith Jr., right? Gordon Hayward, all right, not looking to trade him in his final year. I could totally see that happening. And I really don't even see how you could trade him at this point. But it's really looking like this roster is starting to solidify and that the Hornets are really probably just going to run this thing back next year, maybe with, you know, with the rookie added in. Hopefully, Victor Wimbenyama. That's what you believe now. You told me. That's what you said. Okay. That's what you said. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. Okay. With Wimby in. We don't know what's gonna happen with Miles Bridges. Possibly he'll be inserted back onto this roster. Who knows? Do you believe that Steve Clifford will be back next season? And maybe even a
1: better question should he? You know, I think this young core, because it's definitely young. I mean, last I looked, we were bottom three in the league in uh, average age on the roster. I think even at one point last year before we picked up, um, you know, some players at the trade deadline, we were bottom two. But there's not a lot of continuity or you know, there, I mean, there's so much changing around them, whether it be the roster, whether it be coaches. Like, I honestly don't think anything that went wrong this year was Cliff's fault. Now, do I think if we, we could we could take a, a microscope and go into a singular game and find rotational things that we did or didn't like, but I do not believe the overall record as a result of having Coach Cliff as our head coach. No, I think there's... There's players like Cody Martin not being out. You're missing your, your, you know, your leading scorer, Miles Bridges. You know, you're, you know, you you have injuries from uh, Cody Zeller to, uh, you know, Gordon Hayward. There's just so many things that are not, they're they're not the way he can control. I see no benefit unless you have some home run guy that you sign for like a five-year contract that is, you know, even better than Kenny Atkinson would have been um, just somebody that would have, that really would have been a big name that really would have like stirred the locker room. Right. Cause I think the, the issue was, was for us was culture. Like you needed somebody to come in and be like, all right, you young kids, like I've seen the shit I've been to the shit. And I think that's what we were all were hoping for was somebody to come in and be like, this is how a professional plays basketball. This is what I expect from the locker room. And so You know, I've been to a championship, so, you know, your little smart ass can't be like, I know better than you. I'm just really good at basketball. I think there's an angle there where that was what we needed. And if we're not finding that, then I see no, I didn't see much of a reason other than, you know, JB making the promise of winning the playing game the second time. You know, I I think there's a certain level of continuity where young players need to if we're so worried about development, then we need to give them some, some level of consistency. Because if we're talking about Nick Richards having a future here and we're worried about him in the next two years and we're going to make the decision to keep him around, then we need to have some kind of consistency in teaching and philosophy, right? So I, that's a long answer to a short question. I So I guess I'll give you a short answer is, I see no reason for this team to move on unless they have a home run hit, which I do not foresee them getting it makes so much sense to keep him around. And I do not think there's any intention from anybody inside the bill from anybody, as far as the form of leadership to move on from him. I think the agreement was kind of like how we're in this agreement with Mitch, right. Where it's, you know, until you don't feel like it anymore. Yeah. You know, pretty much. You know until there's some home run answer, that is the obvious replacement that even you couldn't say no to, you know, like there's just, it doesn't really make sense to move on from cliff. So, again, that's a long answer. But, yeah, I I don't see us moving on from Cliff. And I don't really see a reason to at this point. Yeah, I no, hope I- in the future we do. Right? Like, I hope we're in the position, you know, like, when we get to a we're thinking about moving on in the playoffs, like, if we're talking about winning playoff games, do I think Cliff is that coach? Not necessarily. But do I think coach is, uh, the coach is the guy right now to get us to the playoffs? For sure. And I think he's the development coach, just like J.B. was a development coach.
0: Yeah, I think you made some really good points there, because if you, if the Charlotte Hornets are going to sign on for Nick Richards for the next three years, and because you believed in what he did, you saw growth, you liked what you got from him, that all happened on, under Steve Clifford, right? And so, like... J.B. didn't play him. Yeah, no. And so... Like, his growth really took off under Steve Clifford. We were all talking about how Kelly Oubre was just this spastic, just black hole last season. And then we saw that same Kelly Oubre become a mature, more well-rounded basketball player this season who just seems to really like being here. Mm -hmm. Now, some of that may come from, hey, Everybody's been hurt, and I'm getting 18 shots a night. That may also right, play a right. role for Kelly Ubra, U- right? But a lot of this growth that we have seen, we, we we saw a glimmer right after the All-Star break, where we saw this team finally healthy for like 10 games. now, And not
1: even necessarily fully complete.
0: No, like, no, 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 because you still had Cody Martin out. Mm -hmm. I think TJ went down, like, for a couple games. Right. And so, and then, of course, we know LaMelo got
1: hurt. And the Miles Bridges conversation, because you can, I mean, you know, you can have your personal opinions on, on whether or not it's ethical for this team to bring him back, but, like, if this team is going to do that, then obviously that impacts the trajectory of this team. No matter how your feelings are on it, if they are planning on doing it, that is going to change drastically the next two years of this team.
0: Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And yeah, the ethical, you know, conversations are to be had out there, but just from the basketball standpoint, it's almost like the, well, no, I'm not even going to go there because it's not like that at all, honestly. But with this team, you did see a glimmer of that where this team was taking those strides and they were growing and they were starting to piece together some quality basketball at the end of the season before injuries derailed it yet again. But, yeah, I just, you know, none of this season is Steve Clifford's fault. And it, it, it'd it be, I think it'd be lazy. I think it'd be too easy for us to throw anything at the feet of Steve Clifford and say this was on you. Um, and so, and, yeah, I don't think that the organization whatsoever is sitting there saying, oh, we we need to move on from Steve Clifford.
1: Yeah, Uh, I think it's just more or less that it's time for the players to take ownership of the team, right? We shouldn't be necessarily putting so much weight on the coach at this point. I think as fan base and as these players are getting into the later years of their career where they should be really developing, we're basically going to be like, okay, when are you going to start taking more of the reins, more of the blame and grow up? And I think that's why they're getting these extensions. I and mean, that's why you're having the conversations with PJ because the entire conversation with PJ is going to be, are you ready to, you know, not be so inconsistent? Are you ready to put forth that effort? Because that's the only way you get that money from us mm-hmm. is because, I mean, like, yeah, you're great. You're giving us flashes and stuff like that. But like, we're not paying you for flashes. We're paying you to be there night in and night out. It's the same thing with LaMelo. Like, you know, LaMelo, you want to be the superstar. You want to be this leader, but eventually you got to, You got you. you, I mean, he wants to be the superstar, but if you want to be the superstar, you have to be a leader at some point. So when are you going to start being that in the locker room? Because you had veterans come in last year saying, like, you are that guy. I mean, they were directly telling him that you are that guy. We follow you. So you need. And so there's a point where he's going to have to take that role. Kelly Oubre. I mean, I clearly think that I mean, from the people that I have in the building that are talking about him, he wants to be here. You know, he it was one of the few names early on in like the really beginning when things were bad was like Kelly wants to stay in Charlotte and we don't really hear that much in Charlotte. So it was, it was interesting to hear that from his perspective. So to your point, yes, he's getting a lot more opportunity. You know, what role does that play in that feeling? But, um, you know, there's, there's... got his own
0: clothing line. It's
1: it's in the, it's in the, uh, fan shop. All right. I, that's what I'm saying. You're not going to get that in other cities. Not not oh. many markets are going to cater to you the way that we will cater to anybody. That's that's the, I think that's the selling point with LaMelo. I was like, do you, do you want to go to an LA and be just another na- name on a list? Or do you want to like do something in Charlotte and be the list, the entirety of it, the franchise, the, right. the, the whole history. Like, cause you could come in here and without, with on it, and this may this may piss some people off, but like just making the second round of the playoffs, you put yourself in like a very short list
0: of people. Oh, no, I, we've never won a seven game series
1: ever. So, I mean, so yeah, of course. You you win you win a you win a series here in Charlotte, you become the name. Like there's no there is no bigger name in Charlotte than LaMelo Ball when it comes to sports, besides Michael Jordan and probably David Tepper. Yeah, that are in this city at this moment. Like he could literally be when you typed in Google Charlotte, it could say LaMelo Ball right after. Just the same way Cam <laughs> Newton, it could yeah. just the same way Cam Newton just came in and took over. Like the, the opportunity is there for him. And so, like, it's whether or not these guys want to grow up and take that mantle and take this uh, to the next level or if they just want to keep cash and checks. That's really up to them what they want their legacy to be. So, like, again, to the point is it's only so much blame you can put on a coach. Yeah,
0: these players, at some point, they have to start producing uh, these first-round picks. Hopefully you can hit on them. And, uh, you know, all of this would be, um, you know, more readily available to us. When we get Victor and Yama, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, good, 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 good. <laughs> Let's just expedite this process. And everybody can become leaders. Everybody can, you know, be the vet and LaMelo can start doing his thing.
1: And, you know, to the. And moon. everybody's at our draft party throwing down when we get them. So that's right.
0: On the Crown Club, Kolsch, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just
0: throwing down on it. Man, Evan, I've appreciated having you on this. Uh, you know, I knew I wanted you on. I'm glad that we were able to hook it up so soon. It's been exactly, what, one week since the MJ News broke. I'm glad that we were, uh, you know, able to do this on such a uh, short notice. Uh, but Anytime, I, man. Anytime. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let everybody know. I Look, everybody pretty much knows where to find you, I think. But just in case. Where can everybody find you socials, you know, all of the things?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's Crown Club CLT, basically on everything from website down to handles on social media. Um, You know, if anybody's watching, doesn't really know what we are. We're a membership based fan group. We have about 500 members right now. Um, We do everything like we talked about from away trips to tailgate parties to watch parties like we're talking about with the draft party. We're talking about we do 41 tailgates a year for every home game. So you can come out and a member's eat for free. Um, you get so many perks for being a member from the Slack channel we reference to uh, discounts with our partners to, um, you know, just free stuff. So there's there's a lot of benefits that go. Um, and I like to jokingly say this. There are more benefits to being a Crown Club member than there are to being a season ticket holder for the Hornets. Uh, other, <laughs> other than them letting you know that they're dropping shoes. Um but the point is is that like we we tried to have more of a community angle on this and um you know like I'm hoping soon I'll get to drop some news about us uh doing a green day out at the park and picking up trash just it's more of the giving back and community aspect and making more of a family out of this so I welcome everybody to join and come check us out and feel free to message us if you got any questions.
0: Yes, feel free reach out to Hive Hoops. I'm a proud Crown Club member. All right. Been on the away experiences, uh, been at the local, uh, you know, all the perks. What he's telling you is true. All of it. uh, I mean, the free food alone, right? Yeah. (laughs) Guys, free food. 41 times a year. What other organization feeds you for free 41 times?
1: Tell me one. Tell me one. I mean, I'm just saying, get your free get your fill on uh on, on beer and food before you head into the arena because it's not that cheap in there.
0: It's not cheap in there. So become a member. It's fun. We are building that community. Appreciate you being
1: on, man. Once again. Of course, dude. Like I said, anytime I'm happy to be on. You know, it's a great podcast. So I really appreciate what you're doing for the, the Hornets community. And and this is really what it's all about, man, is that uh, everybody coming together to try and do their part and, and basically build this culture up. So thank you.
0: Oh, all the kind words. So sweet. So sweet. Thanks for jumping on another episode of hive hoops. I am your host, Joshua Balta until next time. Adios. Thanks for listening to hive hoops presented by the lead. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from From Hive (laughs) Hoops.